Hey, this is Pastor Jack, West Houston Christian Center, and boy, we are so excited to have you watching us online this morning. Wow, what a blessed time we're going to have. You know, you have a hunger and a thirst for God because you're going online so that you can see us. You know, also, you can go to westhoustonchristian.com, com, yes, and uh, if you'd like to learn more about the church or if you would like to uh, donate or give uh, online, you can do that. But I just want you to know we've prayed for you and we're so excited that you're watching us today. And I believe that God's got a special word for you because you've turned in. Amen. God bless y'all. The presence of God uh, is in this place right now. There's a tangible physical anointing in this place Amen. right now. Amen. And uh, everything that we're doing, everything that we've done from the beginning to the offering, to the releasing of the children of the youth, um, it's all worship. Everything that we're doing, it's not going from one thing to the next thing. It's all the same thing. It's all acts of worship tonight. And as we get into the Word, I'm going to share something that's been on my heart since vacation. And uh, I finally got to study it out and kind of talk about it a little bit tonight. Um, But everything that we're doing, He's here with us. He's helping us. Amen? God's helping us. I'm so excited. I'm so glad. Aren't you glad that God's helping us? That He didn't leave us here alone? That He didn't, you know, He didn't just, born. you know, we're not just born again, and then He just drops us off in the middle of nowhere to just figure it out. I mean, He really did make sure that we had everything we would ever need to succeed in the earth. Everything. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yeah. Jesus said, Madeline, don't worry about anything. I'll take care of you. Amen. Woof. Woof. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah. Woof. Amen. Yeah, I heard there was healing in the house tonight too. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Let's not be in a hurry right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's funny because that's kind of where we're we're going tonight in the Word. Isn't it good? When He kind of already charts a course for us. You'll love what our foundational, what our, what our opening Scripture is. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse, uh, we'll, we'll start in verse 1 and go to verse 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's the important part. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What we were looking at is what we beheld. When we looked at him, he was looking back. Amen. 
So when we get into worship and we start looking for Him, He's going to appear to us. Amen? Now, I'm not saying weird, goofy, you know, I'm not talking about kooky stuff. I'm saying if God, if we're born again, correct? Most of us in this room, I would know, we're born again. God lives inside of us. So it's not foreign for Him. He already owns the territory. He can come and go as He pleases. But when we keep our eyes fixed on Him, the author and finisher of our faith, what we behold is what we're going to become. It is an irreversible, indistinguishable, undeniable truth. Okay? Whatever it is that you are spending the most time looking at, that's what you are becoming. It is an, there is no other way, it is impossible to spend all your time looking at one thing and not become just like it. I can't stare at one thing my whole life and think that I'm something else. Whatever it is that I am giving my gaze, whatever I'm fixing my eyes on, whatever the eye of faith is looking at, that's where I'm going, aren't you glad Like if I got up and said, okay, everybody, we're going to have a race in here tonight. We're going to have a foot race for a million dollars. And I said, all right, on your mark, get set, go. Is there any important part that I'm leaving out? Where's the finish line? What direction do I run? Can I push people down as I'm running? Yes, you can. But if you don't know where the finish line is, then you don't know where you're going. Amen? You have to have a vision, and Jesus said, I will be your finish line. If you will keep your eyes on me when you run this race called life, if you will stay fixed on me, then you'll know exactly when you hit the finish line. Because you're always going to be running to me. I always want to be running to Jesus. I always want to be running to Him. Amen? Um, We're going to get into some some positives and some negatives of, of what we're looking at tonight. But whatever it is that you're looking at the most is the direction that you're going. If money is the most important thing to you, then guess what you're going after? That's that's what you're aiming for. Amen? If power is the most important thing to you. That, that's what you're looking at. Amen? If negative things are the most important, this is where addictions come from. Amen? If alcohol is the most important thing to me, guess what? Alcohol is my finish line. I'm always running towards that finish line. But I don't want to run towards that finish line. What do I do? I have to put my eyes back on Him at the finish line. Amen? Jesus is the author of and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. Smith Smith Wigglesworth said it like this. We are changed into the likeness of the object in which our gaze is fixed. I'll read that again. We are changed into the likeness of the object in which our gaze is fixed. Let's look at the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21 and this is the story. Israel is in the wilderness. And 
as Moses has found out, this is a, a group that has a lot of complaining in them. Amen? This is a group that was very excited to leave Egypt when you got all the gold, everybody was healthy, but after a little bit of time of living in the desert, can you imagine living in Houston outside in the summertime for like 40 years? <laughs> it's hot. Amen? It's just not the most comfortable thing in the world. And as you know, people's ideas about Moses were changing on a daily basis. Amen? It was, you talk about the same thing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing. And the people would mumble, they would complain, they would get discouraged, and they would start speaking against Moses. And so what God did in this particular instance, uh, beginning in 21.5 said, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and load the light, contemptible, unsustainable manna. Can you imagine getting fed up with heavenly food? I mean, that's fed up. I mean, that's pretty messed up. I mean, you got manna from heaven. You're eating angel food, and you're already disdaining it. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So the Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent of bronze and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. So here's the thing. Because of the mumbling of the people, because of the complaining, because of all that they had done, not speaking just against Moses, but they were speaking against God. Amen? They were speaking against God himself. But they finally figured out after a few people got snake bit, maybe this isn't the best course of action. So they repented. And Moses, God went to Moses, Moses went to God, and he said, take a pole, take this bronze serpent, which is a picture of the thing that was, 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 was biting them, put it up, and when the people look at it, they'll be healed. Well, if you just read past that, you would think, all right, well, if I'm just walking to work and I just happen to look up at that snake, then I would get healed. That's not what he's saying at all. He was saying, in order for you to be healed, you had to fix your gaze with an intense stare on that, sta on that snake. And when you fixed your gaze upon it, when you focused on it, that's when healing came to the body. Now, we all know that's a picture of Jesus on the cross. Amen? Jesus was not a serpent, but Jesus took all of our sin which is what these people were looking at also. Does everybody understand that? They looked at Jesus. Can I, can, I, can I just cut to the end? Can I just cut to the end? It's only 748. Can I just go ahead and cut to the end? Do you want to get healed in your body? If you will learn to gaze at Jesus, the cross, and see the finished work of what he did. Now, he's not on the cross anymore. We all understand that. He's seated in heaven. Amen. But what he did for us, he did on the cross. So when I need healing in my body, I receive the healing scriptures, but I want to get a fresh picture of Jesus and all the sin, sickness, and disease, both mental and physical, that he took on his body for me. And when I gaze at him, oh, he's gazing back at me. And there's a 
a connection and healing comes. If you're looking at Advil, Advil's looking back. Amen? Sorry, Robin. No, no, no. You're saying you need an Advil right now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> God wants to take the place. God wants to be our sole provider and supplier. Amen? But what do we have to do? We have to fix our gaze on Him. It takes time to do that. Amen? I cannot imagine being bitten by a fiery serpent. And so now you're telling me, okay, A, number one, it's hot. Number two, I just get bit by not just a serpent, but a fiery serpent. And so now you're telling me I have to stand still at attention and forget about this, what's behind me, and focus on what's in front of me in order for me to get healed. That's exactly what Jesus was telling us. Amen? Put it all behind you. Look at me, and I'll be your healer. Amen? And all of them, everybody that did it, that word look means to stare, it means encountered, it means examined, it means experience. It was not a casual glance. But they had to look at it intently and on purpose. Listen to me. Getting healed, you're going to have to look at the word intently and on purpose. It is not a casual flipping of some pages or the rattling off of a memorized scripture that's going to do it. Amen? It is gazing into His Word. Do you know the Word has eyes? Yes. It sees. And so when you're looking at it, it's looking at you. Amen? It's the discerner and the intent of men's hearts, it says in Hebrews. It's both quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When I'm looking in the Word, the Word's looking back at me. And when I get revelation, there's now a transfer of ownership from what I've just seen, and I now have ownership of whatever I just read. So when I see Isaiah 53, that by His stripes I'm healed, when I see that in the Word, and I see Christ on the cross and what He did for me, there's now a transfer of everything that He did into me, and I receive 100% of everything that He went through. Everything. He did not leave us here alone. He didn't leave anything to chance. He didn't leave anything. He gave us everything we would ever need in order to not just survive in this world, but to be victorious. Amen. Amen. He left it all here for us. Acts chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 3. This is verses 1 through 9, and this is the, the, the story of Peter and John as they went up together to the temple of the hour to prayer. And uh, they're on their way to the temple, and they go, to, and they pass this guy that they've passed a thousand times. And uh, the guy, the beggar, looked at Peter and John in order to, to receive something from them. And Peter says what? Look at us. And so it says that the beggar looked and he said, and he expected to receive something from them. That's faith. And Peter says, what? Some of the most famous lines in the Bible. Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it says he pulled him down, grabbed, didn't even give the guy a chance. 
grabbed his wrist, pulled him up, and as he was pulling the man up, it says the bones in his ankles and his legs became strengthened. And he began walking and leaping and praising God. But it didn't happen until the man fixed his eyes when he finally looked. When he looked, what did he see when he saw Peter and John? He saw Jesus. Get this. The Bible says that as believers, we're to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When we lay hands on the sick, they see Jesus. It's not me laying my hands. It's Jesus laying his hands. It's not just little Jack. Oh, gee, but, but, but I know what I thought today. I, I did something wrong today. None of that matters. It says they see Jesus. They see Jesus. Jesus was the healer. And the cool part is because the beggar was expecting to get something, he got it. But just not what he expected. He got healed. I love ministering to waiters and waitresses. It's the easiest group in the world to minister to. A, they have to come talk to you. Right? They have no clue. B, their whole job is predicated on me giving them money. And the nicer they are to me, the bigger tip they think they're going to get. So whenever they come to the table, they're already expecting something from me. So when I begin to ask them, where do you go to church? When would you get saved? And all that kind of stuff. They're going to tell me because they're, whatever you need to hear, sir, you leave $20 on the table, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Amen? But I've had more opportunities. We've had people come to church, waiters from Outback and, and different places. La Peep, I can, I, many, many people that we've invited to church. Why is it? Because when they came, they came expectant. That's a great little tip on faith. When you come to church, you come to church expecting. Amen? When you need healing, you come expecting. Amen? You expect something to happen. We expected something to happen in the service tonight, and it did. Amen? The power of God's moving and flowing through this place right now. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 23, 31. Proverbs 23, 31. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the wine glass, when it goes down smoothly. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the wine glass, when it goes down smoothly. That word gaze is the exact same thing as look. Don't consider, don't keep on looking, don't observe, and don't stare. Why in the world would it tell me not to look at the wine when it's red? Because when I'm looking at the wine, it's looking back at me. Whatever I'm drawn to, whatever I'm looking at, when I, we, we look at a lot of things, but when I stop and gaze and stare, I'm making a connection with that thing. It becomes my most dominant thought. So here the writer in Proverbs is saying, don't even look at the wine. Don't stare at the wine. Because the more you stare at it, the more you're going to want it. The more you want it, the more you're going to go towards it. Amen? 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I think also what the writer was trying to say was that when you also look at that wine, it's kind of attractive. Pretty red wine in a glass cup. Amen. It's kind of nice to look at. Isn't it interesting that a lot of times our temptations will come wrapped in things that are kind of nice to look at? Amen. That their sole attempt is to capture our gaze. Look, the enemy knows that what you look at, you're going to become. And if he can get you to look at something other than Jesus, then he wins. He wants to get you distracted and sidetracked and off of him. Whatever he can do to get your eyes off of him and onto your problems. Because he knows when you elevate Jesus above your situation, Satan has no other card that he can play. He is completely and totally defeated, toothless, weaponless. When we exalt God above any situation or anything that we're dealing with, then Satan has nothing. He is powerless and weaponless against you. You are the most dangerous person on the face of the earth. Why is that? Because there is no problem big enough that God can't handle. There's, no, there's nothing that God hasn't already done or is going to do. So, when I gaze at the wine, it's looking back at me and I'm drawn to it. Genesis 3.6. Yay, we're going to Genesis. Genesis 3.6. This is the story of Adam and Eve and a serpent. And we all know the story beginning in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the tree of the garden, except the fruit from thee which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, suitable and pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband. Amen? My question was, how many times had Eve, has Adam or Eve, did they look at that fruit? Was that the first time she'd ever seen it? It had been there the whole time, but why didn't she see it? Because she had her eyes fixed on God. So the enemy tries to get between her and God and take her gaze off of God and put it on that fruit. And once again, she noticed that it was pleasant to look at. Just like the wine, the temptation came wrapped in something that was pleasant. See, it's all counterfeit. It's all made. It's all pleasant. It's all shiny. It's all new. It's all red. It's all gorgeous. It's all pretty. And its sole purpose is to take your eyes off of Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and put your eyes on this thing so that that's the direction you'll start walking in. Amen? We do not want to be trapped. It's a trap. Amen? It's a trap. Men, it's a trap. Amen? Now, I'm going to talk on another subject. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to hit one more. 2 Samuel 11. Second Samuel 11. 
He knew where I was going. 11.1 In the spring, when kings go forth to battle, David sent Joab with his servants and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites' country and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of his house, when from there he saw a woman bathing, and she was very lovely to behold. And David sent and inquired about the woman. One said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And we all know the rest of the story, that David falls into sin. David, to me, is the most honorable man in the entire Bible to this point. Amen? Now, one interpretation says that something woke him up out of his bed. I'm going to speak to the men real fast because we are, we are visual. That's how we're created. Right, men? We're visual. That's how we're created. One of our largest temptations is the opposite sex. And I have to tell my boys, when I took the youth to camp this summer, and I took them all in a room before I left and dropped them off, and I made this statement. I said, boys, women have eyes. That's where we should be looking. Amen? Because men are visual, we are susceptible more to the opposite sex when it comes to looking at a female. Amen? Ladies, dress appropriately. Amen? It's not your fault for a man. I cannot imagine being a woman and having a man look you up and down, sizing you up like you're a piece of meat. I cannot understand that. Amen? So I apologize on behalf of men of what we, but we're visual. Amen? David was in bed. Now let me tell you this part also. Sin has a voice. It has a voice. Bathsheba, naked lady on the roof at night, sin, that voice wakes David up. Now David shouldn't even been there to start with. He should have been with his troops. He should have been doing his kingly battle. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he really wasn't. He'd been set up. Amen? Sin has a voice. I don't like to go too deep into this, but listen to me, men and ladies. Pornography has a voice. If it is in your house, it is calling to your children. Every single day. Your children hear it. That's how they find it. Even when it's hidden, even when it's put away, even when it's stashed, it is calling to them all day. So I just beseech you as a pastor, amen? But for the grace of God, go I. I've been delivered from a lot of stuff and pornography was one of them. But I've been free for 27 years. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I don't struggle at night. It's not like, oh, I've been completely and totally healed, delivered, and set free. But I still like to look at my wife. I'm still a man. Thank you, Lord. Amen. When you do it right, it's good. Amen. But I want to encourage all of our men and ladies. Amen. What you're looking at is what you are becoming. 
Amen. And when I am looking at these images, when I'm looking at these things, but Pastor Jack, it's, it's not real. It's a person in a magazine. Your body doesn't know the difference. Doesn't know the difference. And so I just encourage you. Amen. If that's something that you're dealing with, there's healing and there's prayer and there's deliverance for all of it. Amen. But here's what we got to do. We got to bring it into the light because it likes to hang out in the dark because that's where the shame is. I'm embarrassed. I'm shamed. Amen. It's embarrassing. Especially if you got caught. It's embarrassing. But if you'll just by faith, bring it out into the light. You know, pornography never healed one marriage. You know, pornography never protected one child. There's not one positive thing that it's ever done. It is the rust on the character of our world. It is the oxygen for all sexual sin, really. If we just dealt with that one thing, rapes would go down, violent crimes would go down, because it is things that it is fed upon that causes people to then have to act out what they've been looking at, because what they've been looking at, now they want to become. Amen? I didn't mean to get that deep into that. Amen? But I do want to encourage us as men, as fathers, as men of God, if it's in your house, get it out of your house. If you have children there, do it for them. Amen? Do it for them. Smile. Smile good. Hallelujah. Now listen, I'll prove to you that sin has a voice. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, beginning in verse 13. The foolish woman is noisy. She is simple and open to all forms of evil. She willfully and recklessly knows nothing whatever of eternal value. Here it is. For she sits at the door of her house on the seat in the conspicuous places of the town, doing what? Calling. 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 Immorality is always calling. Sexual immorality, it's always calling. It's always calling. It's always calling. You know that wisdom also is also calling? Amen. They both try to present themselves as equals. They both present themselves in the high places in the best part, calling to those who will come by. Amen. Let's listen to wisdom. Amen. Sin has a voice. Amen. And it's always calling. Wine has a voice. It's always calling. Amen. That fruit that, that Eve had to have, it had a voice. It was calling. Amen. And so what I want to make sure is that I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen. When, my, when I'm satisfied with Jesus, I don't need any of that other stuff. If you really just got a hit of Jesus, you'd never drink again. You get a, you get a hit of his presence, like what we just kind of experienced right here. Folks, I've done every drug there is. There's nothing that came close to what we just did right there. Amen. There's nothing that comes close to that. Amen. And it didn't cost me anything. And I have it on a hangover. And I don't want to buy any money. Amen. I'm not going to go to jail if the cops came in. Like, oh, he's on Jesus. Let's get that guy. Amen. Once again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
If I keep my eyes on him, I will always be where I'm supposed to be with everything I need. Now, uh, in conclusion, um, how do I look unto Jesus? Amen? I'm not talking about just sitting there all day getting a picture of a beard. We all, Jesus looks different to everybody in this room. Amen? You know, if you were raised like I was in the Methodist church, Jesus was a white guy in his mid-30s, hair combed nicely down the middle, little goatee. You know, that was the Jesus that I was raised with. Little lamb under his arm, right? It's like Jesus was like from Idaho or something, and he was just, you know? Jesus was a Hasidic Jew. He didn't look anything. I mean, he was dark. He was Middle Eastern. You know, he had dark hair. He had a beard. I mean, he was, you know, anyway. But that doesn't mean just sitting there looking at that. How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? I keep my eyes on him because Jesus is the word. Amen? When I stay in the word, I am keeping my eyes on Jesus. When I'm keeping my eyes in the word, then I cannot be distracted by all these other things. Because that's really what all these things are, are distractions. They're trying to distract you from spending time with God. They're trying to distract you from seeing Jesus. See, Satan wants to get you trapped in some goofy addiction that controls you, that trains you, that compromises you so that you are powerless to get out of it so that you can look at him. That's why addictions are so strong. Amen? Jesus can break every addiction. He already has. It's already been defeated. Remember, Jesus went into hell and beat the devil, stripped him down publicly, publicly, Apex duomai, just totally dismantled him in front of all of hell and took all of hell with him and walked out. And he defeated addictions there too, all addictions, amen? We do not have to be addicted to anything except him, amen? We can be free, amen? We are free. So, how do I look unto Jesus? Number one, I see him in the word. Proverbs 4.20, you don't have to go there. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Amen? You can't go wrong. If you stay in the word, you cannot go wrong. Proverbs 7.1, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. Well, Pastor Jack, how long do I stare at the word over my situation? Until it changes. Well, how long do I have to stare? Till it's broken. Till you have what you're believing for. Till you have manifestation. I stay locked in and I stay staring and I stay gazed and I am locked in on this word until I have the full manifestation of what I'm believing for. Amen? Amen. You stay there. You absolutely, you stay there. Number two, you have to do what the Word and Jesus says in the Word. It's not a matter of just looking at the Word. Now i got to do what the Word tells me to do. Amen? Now I have to act on what I've seen. Proverbs 13.3. This is so important. This is so simple. But man, if I could preach this. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. We, as the body of Christ, need to take instruction. If we would start treating church as a school and a place of instruction, 
along as a house of worship, that when I come to church, I'm coming to be instructed in the things of God. I would take that seriously. Amen? I want to take it seriously. When God, is this special when God talks to you? It's even more special when we do what he says. That's so great that Jesus showed up. But if he told me to do something and I didn't do it, you think he's going to show up again? Not till I do what he told me to do. Amen? Take firm hold of instruction. Be teachable. Nobody in this room knows everything. Not me, not my parents, not Michelle. None of us. We don't know it all. Amen? But follow us as we follow Christ. Amen? We do have between us like 80 years of experience of walking in this. Amen? There's a lot of wisdom in this room. Robin and Steve, there's a lot of wisdom in this room. We don't know everything, but I can tell you everything up to this point. Amen? I can't give you marriage counseling of 50 years of marriage, but I can tell you about 23 years. Amen? So... Number three, which is what I just said, follow those who follow him. That's how you look unto Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I followed the example of Christ. Out of the King James Version, it says, be ye followers of me, even as I also follow Christ. Number four, always aim for love. How do I look unto Jesus? Always aim for love. Amen. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. And finally, Philippians 4.8. Everybody knows Philippians 4.8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. If there be anything of virtue or anything of good report, meditate on these things. Amen? When you meditate on pure things, you become pure. When you meditate on holy things, you become holy. Amen? Whatever it is that you are looking at, that's what you're going to become. Michelle and I made a decision years and years ago, we don't go to our movies. Well, what does that mean? That means I don't sit there and fix my gaze for two and a half hours on violence, sex, and gratuitous language. I don't look at that. You cannot say that that does not affect me. If you say that it does not affect you, then there's, you're, 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 you're wet on the inside. You're numb. Amen? Amen? I don't fix my gaze for three and a half hours on something that is detrimental to my soul and to my spirit. Amen? If I'm an Olympian, am I going to eat McDonald's every day? I'm not an Olympian then. I might work at the McDonald's at the Olympics, <laughs> but I'm not an Olympian. God is training us to be Olympians. That means I have to have the right fuel in order for me to succeed in whatever it is God's called me to do. Yes, sir. That's a great question. Let me, let me give it to you like this. I'm going to make you, what's your name? Christian. Christian. Great name. Christian, I'm going to make you a cake. I'm going to get the finest flour, the best sugar. I'm going to go, I'm going to take the cocoa. I'm going to make chocolate for you. I'm going to make, I'm going to get the most beautiful things that I can find to bless you. 
but I'm going to take a little bit of dog poop and put it in there with it. And I'm going to give you that cake. Is that cake still beautiful? Okay. So I want to be wise what I'm allowing. The, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Whatever I see, whatever I hear, and whatever I say, that's what I'm becoming. That's what I'm feeding on. Your heart is the most fertile piece of ground on the face of the earth. Whatever you plant, it'll grow. So as a believer, when I take the word of God, I plant it in my heart and it grows. If I'm taking profanity, sexual immorality, anything that's derogatory towards a woman or towards a person, a violent thing, it's growing in there also. And that's what's, when you're put under pressure, that's what's going to come out. So that's why we do that. I hope I didn't embarrass you. Okay, good. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm done. Let's stand up. Christian, very nice to meet you. <laughs> Glad you're here. Are you with? Yeah. Good. Are you from Venezuela? No. From Mexico. Well, we're glad you're here. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to shake your hand earlier. Hallelujah. You're going to come back? <laughs> thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word of God. We plead the blood of Jesus over us. Oh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for um, what you're doing and what you've done in us tonight. Mm. Lord, we just love you. We praise you. Ah, You're so good to us, Lord. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over us over this week. And just thank you, Lord, for your peace and your presence in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.